Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Management Decisions, a show where we bring in high-level executives and HR professionals from a wide collection of businesses to discuss what goes on at the top of the food chain. And today we are talking about what to expect when your employee is expecting. And joining us to talk about this topic is Kimberly Prescott, founder of Prescott HR Consulting. And she brings a wealth of knowledge and experience with us today. So thank you for joining us, Kimberly. We do appreciate it. Thank you. From an employer's standpoint, what is your experience with this topic and what should employers really kind of be looking for? Well, my experience with this topic, um, I've had um, responsibility for managing employee compliance and leave programs for over 10 years. So I've been involved with the interpretation of many of the regulations as they've changed throughout the years, um, as well as creating policies and implementing processes within the organization to ensure compliance. Mm -hmm. If I had to say what employers had to be concerned about, I would say that really having a, a good grasp on how all of the laws work together, because there are more than one law that actually impacts the maternity leave slash pregnancy leave process. So there are several laws that um, are involved in understanding the overlap and when one law applies or when another law applies. All right. And I read your article on your blog, and I was just wondering what prompted you to write that article about this topic? Is it just, you know, that lack of understanding between how each of these laws overlap each other? Or was it, you know, someone reaching out and asking you about it? Well, actually, I reposted this article. It was an article that I had written several months ago. Mm -hmm. But late last week, the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, issued regulatory guidelines on pregnancy-related matters. And I thought that with that recent issuance of those guidelines, that it would be a relevant topic to revisit for employers because it's going to be a hot topic soon in the future because of this recent guidance. Mm -hmm. And what was kind of outlined within those um, recent guidelines that were pushed out by the EEOC? Well, the guidelines really helped to solidify many of the areas that um, employers may have had questions about with regard to the requirements of the Pregnancy Discrimination Act and the Americans with Disabilities Act and what was the obligation of the employer under each. There was also a bit of a change in some of the language that that they've used. Historically, they refer to disabilities related to pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, and they have been very clear in this most recent guidance to essentially call it to compare any pregnancy-related condition with any other employee's ability or inability to work. So they've taken out pregnancy-related disability as terminology, and they've been very clear um, in that guidance throughout that they are absolutely not identifying pregnancy as a disability, mm-hmm. but more so um, looking at the ability or inability to work as compared to others. So the first thing that really comes to my mind when I hear about this topic of maternity leave and what employers' obligations are is, um, you know, what they exactly have to do, um, you know, because some employers have policies in place for this and others don't. So I think that there's a little bit of confusion over, you know, what an employer needs to really do. So could you explain um, the obligations for maternity leave and FMLA and all those other things? Absolutely. So there are several laws that govern leave. And with respect to maternity leave specifically, Mm -hmm. an employer doesn't have to have a maternity leave policy per se. Mm -hmm. However, they do have to abide by any family leave laws that either are at a federal level that they may fall under 
or at a state or local level because there are some states that have enacted leave laws for family leave that are more generous than the federal. Mm -hmm. But the federal law is the Family and Medical Leave Act. And that's the law which outlines the requirement for an employer that has 50 or more employees to allow employees time off to care for their own serious health conditions, which, which would be either the, you know, the issues related to pregnancy or to care for a child, which would be the time off after the child is born. And it allows the time for that. So if, if the employer is a covered employer, they do have an obligation to adhere to the leave laws. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have an obligation, again, to have a maternity policy per se. So there's no requirement to provide any pay, um, except in cer- certain states do have some additional policy um, laws as it relates to pay. But the FMLA in and of itself is just the job protection and the time off that is required. Okay. And where can you go to find out if you are in one of those states that has um, additional laws for maternity leave? You can absolutely contact your state Department of Labor. Mm -hmm. So the Department of Labor in your state would be able to give you any guidance and information with regard to any additional leave that would be offered in your particular state as the U.S. Department of Labor governs the the federal leave laws, the State Department of Labor would govern any state-specific leave laws. And this is kind of on a a similar note, but in a different vein. Is there such a thing as maternity leave for fathers of the newborns? And is that covered under the federal law? Or is that just something that each company can kind of determine on their own? That's a great question. Actually, fathers are covered under the Family Medical Leave Act at the federal level. So the ability to take off up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave to care for a newborn does apply to the father. So if a father is able to take off up to 12 weeks, and it has to be within the first year that the child is born, but they can take up to 12 weeks to care for and and bond with their child. And again, there are some state laws that do give some additional coverage as well. Okay. Now, um, I heard you mention earlier about pregnancy discrimination. Is that something that employers really need to be concerned about? Yes, absolutely. With the recent issuance of the regulatory guidance, it is the opinion of many professionals that there will be more scrutiny and more cases and claims as it relates to the um, PDA, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, and the Americans with Disabilities Act combined. So it is imperative that with this recent guidance that employers really get a good understanding of the position that the EEOC has taken with regard to that. So what can employers do to mitigate any potential claims of discrimination in regards to pregnancy? Are there certain policies they should put in place or should they really just uh, strive to educate all their managers on, you know, the certain things that they should be saying when an an employee approaches them and informs them that they are pregnant? The first thing that um, employers should do is really review all of their policies, their, their benefits, their leave of absence, their light duty policies, because One thing that the EEOC has made clear in various positions that they have um, issued over the last several years is that they want an individualized analysis. So having a blanket leave policy or a blanket light duty or a blanket accommodation policy is not going to be sufficient for compliance. So really looking at your policies and making sure that they are not overly broad and putting processes into place to do an individualized analysis as you receive these requests. 
Another thing that managers could do would be to ensure that their managers are trained and that their human resource professionals have a great understanding of the responsibilities under the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, the Americans with Disabilities, ADA, and any local laws that would impact them, specifically as it relates to the duty to accommodate restrictions, as well as some understanding some of the recent changes to other laws, such as the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, Mm -hmm. That law, which is also the law that sets forth, you know, what we all call Obamacare, Mm -hmm. it also has a provision that states that mothers that are breastfeeding and return to work have to be given time to express milk or for, you know, an area to, you know, pump breast milk. So Mm -hmm. that's also a consideration that uh, managers and companies have to understand. And there are some specific things that they need to understand about those changes to the regulations as well. Right. So it's not just FMLA. Um, it's also the Affordable Care Act. And there's a lot of things going on here. So are there any resources out there that HR professionals can use to kind of figure out what they need to do, when they need to do it by, and how they should be kind of informing and training their managers about these rules and regulations? Absolutely. The U.S. Department of Labor does actually a very good job of providing fact sheets, PowerPoint presentations, and question and answer guidance on their website. So that would be www.dol.gov. Mm-hmm. And you can go specifically to, they have an A to Z directory, and you can look up Family and Medical Leave Act. And it gives you all of the resources that you need specific to um, Family and Medical Leave. With regard to the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, you would be able to find resources on the EEOC's website, which is www.eeoc.gov. And because it is such a hot topic from them right now, it's on their homepage, the Pregnancy Discrimination Act guidelines, um, but you would also be able to search by topic. And it has a fact sheet. It has Q&A. They've actually done a good job this time with their guidance in giving specific examples of scenarios that employers encounter Mm -hmm. and how they should handle those situations. In speaking about scenarios, I was kind of wondering if as an uh, employer with managers, when an employee approaches a manager and informs them that, hey, I am pregnant, I'm expecting to have a child, what should that conversation look like from the employer's perspective? Are there things that they should say and things that they shouldn't say? What What would your recommendations be for this conversation? Well, of course, when someone comes to you to share something like that, you would hope that you would be gracious and mm-hmm. say congratulations. The few things that you should not say, you shouldn't ask them how long are they going to be able to work? How long do they expect to be out? At that point, the employee is not required to give that information. The conversation should just be, you know, contact human resources to, you know, determine when you need to complete specific paperwork. If there's any information that, you know, you receive from your doctor, please give it to me so that we can review it. That's really the extent of what, you know, an employer should say at that time. They shouldn't make any changes to the employee's job duties. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't changes to the employee's working condition. Okay. And if an employee were to say later on um, during their pregnancy that I need accommodation for whatever problem I have going on with my pregnancy, what does the employer require in order to really make that accommodation? Um, And should they require anything as far as a medical note or how much information should they really ask for? Well, depending on where you are, there are some states that limit the type of information that an employer can receive. However, yes, 
in order to protect for the employer to put themselves, ask for medical documentation. And really the documentation should just be how does this condition impact the employee's ability to perform the essential functions of their job and what does the doctor feel that the recommended accommodation should be. Mm -hmm. When an employee comes to you and says, I'm having issues that's impacted my ability to do my job, human resources should be notified. Um, They can determine whether or not, you know, what type of documentation is returned. And I would always recommend that all of the medical documentation be handled by human resources. It's not advisable for managers to receive that information. And so once they receive the information, you can also supply the employee with a copy of their job description so that the doctor can give more accurate feedback about the accommodation. And unless the accommodation would cause what is known as an undue hardship for the employer, Mm -hmm. um, it would be advisable if they are a covered employer under the ADA to provide the accommodation to the employee, whether it would be light duty, temporarily reassigning nominal duties of the employee's job, again, not essential functions of the job, mm-hmm. and or allowing telework or reduced schedule. Those are some of the typical things that could be recommended by the doctor. But it is always advisable to have the doctor advise what the accommodation should be based on the job description because in the employment, in the work site, we're not doctors, so we don't know what would be the appropriate accommodation. So it's always advisable to have the doctor provide the actual request for the accommodation. Right. I think that sounds like a good decision to have the professional in this regard to make those suggestions. Now, are there any additional items that an employer should really anticipate in general when it comes to this topic so that they're prepared ahead of time and that they're in compliance? Yes. I think that, again, employers really need to make sure that they're putting the individualized assessment process in place, meaning looking at each situation and the circumstances for that situation and really moving away from any blanket leave policies. Some other things that they should anticipate is ensuring that they don't have a policy that's different as it relates to either light duty or accommodation that would be different from that of, let's say, for example, someone who's returning from work from a workers' comp case. If you allow an employee to return to work for light duty, if they've been out on workers' comp, then the the new guidelines and regulations that have come out have said that you have to allow the um, the same type of light duty for any employee that is impacted um, by pregnancy or, or pregnancy-related conditions. So you can't have that type of policy separate for workers' comp or other types of leaves and not include um, an individual that's impacted by pregnancy. And I think that that's probably one of the key highlights of the most recent guidance of regulation. Well, thank you for providing that highlight. I think that'll be really beneficial for employers out there who are looking to kind of get a jump start and be in compliance with these regulations and requirements. But unfortunately, we are running out of time for today. And I just wanted to give you the floor right at the end here for any final suggestions or pieces of advice that you would like to share with our listeners about this topic. Absolutely. I think that the key is really just ensuring that you understand really how each of the laws work, primarily Family Medical Leave Act, Americans with Disabilities Act, and Pregnancy Discrimination Act, how they all work together when they run concurrently and when they do not, and really making sure that you are erring on the side of caution when it comes to, you know, decisions to either accommodate or not accommodate because in light of this recent guidance, there will be a lot more scrutiny in employer decisions. And I think that finally, just ensuring that any decision that you make and any type of employment action that you take should be based 
on ability to perform the work and not based on any other factors such as pregnancy or potential issues that could arise out of the pregnancy. And with that final piece of well-said advice, we will close out the show for today. So I just want to thank Kimberly for joining us and sharing her expert advice. We do appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, to find more employment-related shows, head over to aljanradio.com. If any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, please send me an email at aljanradio at localjobnetwork.com. And if you'd like, you can also reach out to us on Twitter at VLJN. And once again, I'm your host, Katie Chesney with LJN Radio, and I wish you the best of luck with compliance. <laughs>